I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton, I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this, that's the plan. How are you doing, listeners? Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. I'm Adam Buxton, and I am on a walk with my dog, Rosie. She's up ahead, and the weather's not very nice. It's the middle of June. What the hell is going on? Is there any way I can apply for some kind of refund? It's entirely inclement. Windy, drizzly, cold. I'm wearing a coat and a hoodie. It's the middle of June! Anyway, this is podcast 22B. It's a bonus podcast for super fans of Johnny Greenwood. And I was inspired to put it together. It's only a, it's kind of shorter than a regular edition of the podcast would be. But I put it together because... Listening back to last week's one, I suddenly was struck by how much of me there was in it. Which is fine if you're uh, a fan of the podcast and you know where I'm coming from. But I was suddenly aware that maybe Radiohead fans or Johnny Greenwood fans who weren't familiar with the whole thing and were tuning in just to hear Johnny speaking would have felt a bit frustrated that there was quite so much of me chatting and and not so much of Johnny and of course I did say in my intro last week well this is a uh, conversation it's not so much it's it's by no means an interview in the traditional sense of the word nevertheless I thought uh, okay well maybe I can find a few more little nuggets of conversation that didn't make the cut uh, last time and they might be of interest to uh, mega Johnny fans So here's a few more little outtakes of uh, chat featuring more of Johnny and less of me. For you guys, a new edition of the podcast featuring a new conversation with a, a different person will be available, I hope, in the next few days. But until then, here's a little bit more complimentary Johnny for you. That's a good phrase, isn't it? And speaking of complimentary Johnny, here's Johnny being complimentary. Well, it is my podcast. The jingles are great now, all the new ones. Thanks. Really good. Properly, like, properly interesting and developed. It's great. Oh, thank you very much. Look at Ramble Chat. The first half's good. And then the last half's good too. <laughs> oh, that's good, isn't it? That makes a whole good piece of music. Ramble Chat, that's up
say some things. Okay, this is as manly and unsibilant as my voice gets. I hope that's reaching your machine, okay. Reminding me of old promo trips out to Europe to yeah. meet, you know, slightly bemused Swedish journalists. Why is the, why are you so sad? <laughs> Do you hate Basically, life? That's not far from lots of the interviews, yes. Do you really? Why do you think the world is so shit? See, now that's a good question. <laughs> okay, all right, sorry, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just establishing that this is going to record with that. It sounds distorty. Uh, I remember going back to my old violin teacher and playing her our first, the first Radiohead singles. I go play the Street Spirit. And she was in her 80s by this point, and I, but I wanted to hear what we'd done. And she said, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very good, but it's very sad, and don't forget life can be really happy and joyful, and you should put some of that into your music. And, you know, she's right. She was always right. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The music should reflect both sides of things, really. But you've done that, though, haven't you? You do do that. Yeah. Calypso numbers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Come on, Adam. Fucking hell, he's so slow. Oh, idiot. I'm leaving you little messages for later. You are? I'm leaving you little messages for later. All right, OK. Mm. The weird thing on stage is sometimes everything sounds out of tune, even when it isn't. And you sound like you're playing a semitone below everyone else. And you have to kind of walk to a different part of the stage and then the pitch changes. Oh. That's very weird. That can really throw you. And what about the whole world of monitoring nowadays? Are you, do you guys get a fairly clear sense of how you sound on stage? Yeah, it's, it's really good at the moment because it's, you know, it's kind of quiet and clear and don't need to use earplugs like you do in some of the little venues when it's just so painful your ears hurt. So I used to wear huge ear defenders, which was crazy. So I was so kind of going, obsessing about losing my hearing. Yeah. But it's fine. Do you have tinnitus? No, I'm good. I'm lucky. How about the I others? That. I think some of them, yeah. But then I know lots of people who aren't in bands who just have tinnitus anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, one of the factors of getting older, isn't it? How do you like getting older? It's brilliant. It's fantastic. How many times do you go to the toilet in the night? <laughs> um, just the one? Yeah, sure. Is it? Um, yeah. Mate. Is that coming? You wait. Comes to us all, apparently. You've had some lunch. What time do you do your sound check? Sound check at four. And how long does that usually take? Surprisingly long. We'll kind of be practicing songs for future concerts, seeing if songs still sound good. So maybe an hour and a half. Oh, really? Like, yeah. God, so it's a mini gig. Almost. It's a mini, yeah. Quite knackering. No, it's good. It's fun. It's really fun. So I'm um, knackering. No, it isn't. It's still only adding up to three and a half hours of work a day. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. And then show time is when? Mm, Nine-ish. Okay. Have you got support? Holly Herndon, and then. When we get to America, we're having Dawn of Midi, who are great. Have you known about Dawn of Midi? No. That's an interesting band. You'd like that, I think. What kind of stuff? 
Okay, well, they come on stage. I don't know how to... The best way to describe it is if you heard it from next door, you think someone is playing some good electronica. Uh-huh. Um, but if you were deaf and you watched them come in and set up, you'd think it was going to be a jazz trio because they make all the sounds using a grand piano, an upright bass, and a drum kit. Yeah. But it literally sounds like electronic music. He deadens the strings inside the piano and just uses it like a percussion instrument. Right. And he gets all these very satisfying kind of phasing rhythms. So there's no solos, there's no jazz playing in that way. But it's just like electronic music done with very old instruments. Good one. That's my take on it. It's great. It's really interesting. Where did you come across them? Uh, at a music festival in um, America. Mm, yeah, look for that. Really good. Well, I'll be able to watch them when you fly me over. I don't mind yeah. business class. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> oh, I wish you were coming. That'd be great. I'm going to try and wangle to do lights for Dawn of Midi. That's what I kind of, I often go to the support band and say, do you mind if I do your lights? Yeah. Partly as a reason to get to watch them every night and partly because it's really fun. One of my happiest tours was doing lights for um, Teenage Fan Club uh-huh. and just seeing them every night and just catching the... That's great. It's a great job. What does the lighting technician think? Well, usually it's passed on to one of the lighting crew to do and some of them look at it as being a chore and some of them enjoy it, I suppose. But um, I guess I'm throwing my celebrity weight around by insisting because I love the brand so much. Yeah. Yeah, you see. But we'll see. We'll see if I do. Mm. Okay, good. Yeah, the only trouble is I'm quite badly colourblind. Are you? Yeah. I, don't, I didn't tell the Teenage Fan Club until the end of the tour about that. I can't differentiate between red, green and brown and pink and purple. Oh, it's all one kind so, of colour. Right, OK. So we don't want you on bomb disposal. That's my dad's job. Is it really? Yeah, he's... So, so yeah, I'd, I'd be bad at that. No. Properly bad. Was it you that got Paul Tom Sanderson in to do the daydreaming video? How did that happen? We keep cheekily asking him for favours and he's up for it. Yeah. And did he shoot yeah. that himself then? Because he didn't use yeah. his regular cinematographer, did he? Or did no. He? I think he had his normal crew with him, but, um, yeah. And where was that? That was out in L.A., was it? And Utah as well. And okay. they, it was crazy. They, did, they genuinely were filming for 10 hours a day, every day for three days, just to get enough. It was insane, I think, the stories I heard about how they made it happen. Yeah. Get getting emails from Tom that were a bit complaining, and I thought, he's making much of this. I bet he's having a great time and occasionally opening a few doors. How hard can it be? Yeah. And thought he was milking it, and then I got an email from Paul explaining what it was really like, and I think it was genuinely hard work. insane. Right. Crawling around in snow and for days on end. But, you know, he's a singer. Sure. Exactly. What does he expect? That's come, that's come to the gig, doesn't it? want to be the front man, if you want to get all the limelight. Definitely. All right, we're out now in the... Um, this is where all the people attending the show will come tonight. Right. This is the merch stand, who uh, signs off on all the merch designs. You guys do, presumably, right? Yeah, we do it um, with... Stanley Donwood, of course. There's all of our artwork with Tom, and the two of them are often off together working on things, and even when we're recording, they get together for days and hours and then just getting all the stuff together, yeah. Because I remember when you were doing In Rainbows, he was, uh, and you were recording stuff in Covent Garden at the hospital. Yeah, that's right. Um, Stanley was off in a corner, literally working away on some of those pieces that ended up 
Well, he was manipulating them on the computer. Yeah. So he's actually there as part of the creative unit. Yeah. Vibing off what you're doing. Yeah, I think it's good. Mm. I said know. vibing off. I know, that's why I'm hesitating. Yeah. Feeling a bit bilious suddenly. Has <laughs> <laughs> it gone now? <laughs> you farted it out. It's better. There we go. If you didn't say chill, <laughs> then I'd be vom leaking through my fingers. <laughs> the film that you did with Paul Thomas Anderson with with you playing with all these Indian musicians? Oh yeah, okay. Again, another favour from Paul and Nigel agreed to come to India to record this guy Chopinso and all these Indian musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, Nigel Godrich, you mean? Nigel Godrich, right. yes, radio producer and he they were both up for a, a real adventure, which it turned out to be, recording in this medieval Indian fort and, and taking a studio out with us and keeping it all going. i just interested in this guy, Chopin Sir, because he... There's a horrible side to world music that turns my stomach a bit. And then there's him, and he seems to be the other end to me, in that he had a visit when he was at college from some Indian musicians, and he just dropped out and went to live in India. Uh-huh. And studied music there for 20 years and got married and, and became obsessed. And so it wasn't that kind of world music tourism that you sometimes encounter. Just felt really genuine. But he still, of course, had his Western background and had been in a band before. And he's an interesting kind of pollination of things. Mm -hmm. And also all the music is genuinely sort of spiritual. He's singing all these songs about God, which is very unusual thing to be part of. Yeah, what does he think when he sees you, rock star man, coming along? Was he a little suspicious at first? Or did he welcome you with open arms? He's very welcoming to everything and everyone. He yeah. was very, uh, he was happy, I think. You know, he's, he grew up listening to records as well and being okay. into bands, so yeah. it wasn't that unusual. But he has just feels like he's become Indian, really. Mm. Spending time with him. Um, we just set up and played with Indians for three weeks and Paul came out and filmed us doing it. It's, I can't believe all the three things came together. We were allowed to go there and then Nigel came and recorded it and we made that record. It's very... Yeah, it's really lucky. What was the name of the Finnish thing? It's called Janoon. With a J? Yeah. And it's all sort of devotional Sufi music, Sufi, Sufism being the, the kind of mystic branch of Islam. It's the Sufis that do the uh, circular dance, isn't it? That's right, the whirling dervishes in Turkey and elsewhere. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's Sufism. It's very strange. It's very um, mystic, is, the, is how he describes it. And they give concerts and all these tombs of the saints and Sufi saints. Um, yeah, it's a, and being, being English and CV upbringing, I just found it all very bizarre and a bit sort of, you know, to see this sort of genuine yeah. spiritual belief being put into music and song. It's like mm. not something I've ever come across. And do you get sort of trance-like when you're playing that kind of music? It was more like being in James Brown's band for me uh-huh. in that I played lots of bass and the music was very repetitive in, in the best possible way. But it's strange because Indian music doesn't have any chords in it, so I had to forget that instantly. You know, you never hear two notes together. There's no harmony. Uh-huh. There's only ever the root note and the melody on top. So when I suggested that chords should be major or minor, it just doesn't, doesn't mean anything. 
Uh, that film, is that film out now then? Can we? Yeah, I think it's on, you know, your iTunes and right. kind of stuff. But it's good. It's a kind of, it's a really good record of what it was like to, to just turn up in Jodhpur and, and, yeah, make a recording happen. Very beautiful part of the world. Very well, beautiful. It? Yeah, just, just stunning. I mean, I say that because I've seen pictures of it. I haven't been there. I'd like to go there. Well, I'm, I, I've got a childish yeah. anxiety about going to India and getting ill. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so crap, isn't it? You just think, You'll be fine. Oh, well, I went with my family the year before. We were there for a couple of months, and it was fine. And, yeah, we went to the same place as tourists. And it was very peculiar that nine months later, going behind these kind of roped-off sections yeah. to set up and play with these guys. Right. Oh, it's amazing. Indian music is fantastic. It's very... There's the enthusiasm with which they play. It's very infectious. Uh-huh. We'd like, we recorded them playing and then said, right, we've got that song, it's fine, to the brass band. You can go, you can go outside now. And they all went outside and played it. They just kept going, just kept playing something. Yeah. No, we have it. We don't, you know, we're just playing it to each other for, you know, for the hell of it. Yeah. Which is, it's great. That's what you guys do as well, though, right? Us? Yeah, you come off stage, right. start strumming creep and... Yeah, have a, have a sing-song, sing song. definitely. Arm in arm. Give each other a big hug. Swaying on the sofa. When you go off for your encores, because yep. you're doing like two or three encores. Right. Are you having... Uh, do you snog each other? Fist fight, usually. People do have fist fights. I was watching a programme about bust-ups and break-ups with right. Mark Radcliffe on BBC4 the other day. OK. And that's what the police used to do, apparently. <laughs> they had a few fisticuffs in, uh, in between encores. Oh, really? Yeah, because Sting and Stuart Copeland were very physical with each other. OK. Sometimes they would do mock fights that would turn into real fights. OK. And Sting got his rib broken. Yeah. During one of these by Stuart Copeland. You guys don't do that. No. Not anymore. The worst ever gets is one of us gets a bit quiet for an afternoon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that shows them, doesn't it? Yeah. Solves every problem. That'll teach them. It's weird, the encore thing, though, isn't it? It's such a weird tradition. Well, it is, you see. Um, I mean, usually we're saying, are we going to do these songs or should we do something different? So there is something spontaneous a little bit about it. It's more about just having a break, I suppose, and having a sort of some structure to the set, I think. But you haven't got long enough to go to the lava or anything, or do you? No, that's true as well. But that's because we're thinking, oh, we're playing a lot, we shouldn't keep people waiting. We've got to get out and just carry on so it's over yeah. sooner. So you are genuinely, it's not all mapped out beforehand, no. what you're going to do? There's usually like options of choices or we just make last minute changes. So, and yeah. you think, okay, it seems like the kind of night where this would go down well. Yeah. Right. It seems like a creek night. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Whatever we're, we're feeling, really. Which you, is nice. you, you don't wear your arm brace, brace anymore. anymore. No, that's true. What was that? Is that because that's all sorted now? Uh, what did you have? Like, it was sort of, I don't know what it was. It wasn't carpal tunnel, but it was something. It was compounded by advanced hypochondria, I think. Yeah. Which is always a dangerous, it's deadly stuff. <laughs> yeah, I had the arm brace and the ear defenders. You have a big jock strap as well. Huge leather cod piece. Yeah. Everything covered, everything protected. <laughs> all the important <laughs> stuff. Gotta protect your jewels. Sure. No, I'm, I'm all right now. I'm a bit anxious though, now I've walked around in front of the venue and thought, it all looks big, Have I put it? the fear into you? It'll be, be fine. You'll have my smiley face bouncing around in front. 
Do you ever see people in the crowd yeah. like, and, and think, and, is it, and it puts you off? Properly off-putting, yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Because <laughs> the absurdity of what you're doing suddenly strikes you. Yeah. But it's fine, they've got lots to see, haven't they? Yeah. And listen to, other than stupid corner of where I am. All right, this is a great question. Okay. Johnny Greenwood, Adam. what's your favourite song to play live? <laughs> okay, I like no surprises at the moment, very much. I like having the glockenspiel to play. Yeah, I get pleasure from that. And the numbers I'm enjoying as well, which is one of the new songs. There's one track, Glass Eyes. Glass Eyes, that right. That sounds very Vangelis Blade Runner when you do Does it live. Does it? Oh, yeah, well, can't get the strings on stage, you see, so right. we have to resort, like he did, to um, strings on a keyboard. So you don't make any attempt to synthesise strings or play backing tracks? No. We have a slightly self-defeating rule of never using either click tracks or samples or playing along to pre-recorded stuff. So we can't do any of that stuff. You know, it's, it's good. So was that a conversation you had when you were doing the album, though? Like, how are we going to play this live? No, we didn't even you think, about think about it, no. Right. Plus, I know that whenever you see a band live and they've got live strings, it never really works, never sounds great. All the microphones are attached to the violins and it's all a bit scratchy and... You know, you need a kind of quiet room to record them. How did it end up being an album with so many string parts? Were you coming up with tunes when you were doing film music with Paul Thomas Anderson that you then brought into the Radiohead room? No, but I kind of learnt lots of techniques and I learnt what does and doesn't tend to work. What's disappointing and what's kind of surprisingly good about various sort of textures and, and things you can do with strings. And I also, for the first time, managed to get hold of a song before anything was on it. Because usually it's songs are either finished or over-finished. And then the question is, can we add strings to any of this? And there's usually no room. It's gilding the lily by that point. Usually, yeah, yeah it's, it doesn't help. But this time, I managed to get hold of the song Burn the Witch when it was just, you know, drum machine and a voice and nothing had been added yet. And, it's, and I kept saying, let's leave it, leave it. We can, we'll come up with something for the strings to do. And while we were doing that, we recorded strings on other things. And a lot of it came out really good, I think. Yeah, it's great. And it makes it sound, again, very different from all the other records. Yeah, well, strings are just the... amazing. They're wonderful. It's such a complicated thing, having that many people all capable of playing such varied sounds and all yeah. so talented. and. I, I still get a bit, not even a bit, I get very um, in awe and tongue-tied around classical musicians generally. I think there's something very cool about what they do. Yeah. You know, it's like we saw that guy just on top of the hill with a violin on his back in a big hard case and he's clearly a professional and that's, that's something very cool about dedicating so much of your time to learning those instruments. And mastering think. your sphere. Yeah, it's weird because we, I did a few tours with them playing some of the film music around Europe, the, the LCO. And every town we got into, they'd be saying to each other, have you done your practice yet today? And they'd no, no, I haven't done it yet. I've got to go now. Well, I'm going to do mine after dinner. And, OK, and so same, it's almost monastic. They have to go and do their two, three hours or whatever of daily, you know, yeah. and it's all dedicated to being able to make these great sounds. And uh -huh. how, how can you not, you know, be keen to hear that stuff and, and get the most of that 
you know, because that's what they're dedicating their, all their time to. Do you play any strings yourself? I, well, yes, yeah, started as a viola player, so I can sort of play violins and, and make noises on cellos that satisfy me, but not, it's very hard, very hard to play in tune. And then you play Perfectly. your guitar, you hold your guitar up and play that with a bow yeah. on stage. Yeah, you see, it's what I'm literally, it's, it's like, it's, it's quite a large proportion of, in Jack of all trades, master of none, in that I can bow very accurately, but I'm very happy the guitar's got frets and is reliably in tune, and I'm not kind of, so, so my right hand is looking very convincing but my left hand's not great. Okay. Do you play any classical stuff when you were <laughs> at school? You never had no, lessons? No, I never did, no. I mean, I just, I really can't tell if I was just not properly brought up in that way, if my parents could have done a better job, or if there was no point. Do you know what I mean? Right. And do you ever feel that when you're with your children as well, just not knowing how far you should push them? Yeah. Because you think, you feel like, well, if they were into it, yeah. then they would latch on and they would respond. They wouldn't be so resistant. Well, I started having the dangerous thought that you should either totally restrict access to any of these instruments to these children so they're very keen, or you should completely force them and make them practice all the time. But instead of just done the wishy-washy kind of half-encouraging half, yeah. don't want to put pressure on. I know, that's the and same that, as me. We're you joined up, the wishy-washy club. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're all wishing and watching kind of are. It's a drag. Yeah. And, but, the, but then the, the risk of being that person that forced them to do something and then totally put them off and then you're responsible yeah. right. for having denied them all this enjoyment. Yeah. That feels bad too. Yeah. But then a less wishy-washy person would say, oh, get a grip. Just do it. Either they'll like it or they won't. And that's going to be the same whatever you do. Yeah. I don't know. Shall we head back? Yeah, sure. One forty-five. We have 45 minutes. Okay. What do you want to do? What do you need to do? I'm fine. I'm just happy wandering around, bollocking on. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's, that's good for me. Let's do that. Okay, we are now uh, wandering through, I guess this is the old town uh -huh. in Lyon. And it's very pretty indeed. Again, I'm reminded of Barcelona narrow streets with very old facades on the buildings, lovely muted pastel-y colours all juxtaposed with uh, sandstone frontages. I'm describing the hell out of this street, don't you think? <laughs> it's very um, Cliff Mitchell more. It's yeah. good. And I'm a bit oh, of a, look, you want to go into that? I'm a bit bookshop. of a fan of the old French comic books, I have to say. Really? Which is your go-to French comic book? It's a bit, is it pretentious? It's a bit pretentious. I quite like reading Tintin and stuff in the old French. It's a good way to sort of... I thought he was Belgian. Maybe they have it in Belgium. I'll ask. <laughs> All right, let's have a look. <laughs> there Hello. he is. Bonjour. Wow, this is wearing a beautiful Jean. bookshop. Loads of shelves full of hardback comic books. Do you know um, Gaston Lagaffe? Is that a comic? Yeah, it's very funny. It's about an inventor. He creates wonderful things, including a gastophone, which is a a musical instrument that looks fantastic. I don't know anything about comics, really. Yeah, it's a world that totally it's, passed me by. There you go. So were you always It's very funny. Oh, Gaston. And they look so cool as well. They got the drain pipes and the huge shoes. I always wanted to dress like that. Well, you do a little bit. 
I always thought French exchange kids looked great when they came over in the 80s with their big white trainers and drain yeah. pipes. I'm going to just look for the Gastophone to show you the in this instrument. How on earth did you find out about Gaston? Uh, I think on the French exchange. Oh, OK. Actually, so you had a good French exchange. What's the good luck, luck out, lucked in? How, what's the good one? I lucked in, big time. Because no, you lucked out. Did lucked I luck out is good. Is that the, that's the good one? Yeah, yeah, lucked out is good. I can never decide. It's like when someone describes something as it's all downhill from here. Isn't that better than being uphill? I can never... Were you ever into the kind of Marvel universe, those kinds of comics? No, I don't understand the superhero thing as a, as a thing to... Um... You didn't fantasise about having superpowers? That's sort of too silly. Oh, come on. Isn't it? It's too silly. Don't all children fantasise about having superpowers? No. It's the costumes. It's just imagining them put the costumes on at the start of the day <laughs> before doing anything. Yeah, but you wear your rock and roll costumes, though, don't you? What about that? That's true. We've got to stop wearing suits and ties. Come on. Surely our jeans and T-shirt days are behind us all. Have you ever, be honest with me, as a band, had a conversation about what people are wearing? No. On stage, what you're allowed to wear? No. You never have? No, no, it's too... No one's ever said, are you wearing that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it goes on in terms of, that looks really good on you. Jonathan Ross would like it in here. Yeah, I keep getting periodically addicted to certain series. I think Preacher was really good. I think you'd enjoy that. Preacher? Yeah. It, it's about a sort of uh, Scottish vampire who's very um, potty-mouthed. I have a preacher called Jesse, who he comes across. And it's funny. Yeah. It's lots of good dialogue and wordplay, and you'd like it. What else is good? Saga. That's good. But I'd start with that, because that's, that's new, that's still being written and still coming out. Saga, what's that about, then? It's a sort of set in space. Don't know that put you off it. I love Still space. Good. I love space. Still good. I do love space. But then everything's in space, if you, in a way. So that's, in a way, it's fine. Is, yeah. But it's a different planet. So yeah. I'm making it sound very nerdy, whereas in fact it's just very wittily written. How did you get into that? We have a press agent in America. It's called Steve Martin. Is he? Yeah. He's obsessed, and I made him take me one day to a comic store. And I said, OK, here's $200. Get me what you think of the classics. And he got me a collection of things. Oh, and the superhero things I didn't really connect with, but some of them are, are really good. That's a lovely idea, being able to just hand over some money to someone who's a real expert in a certain yeah. field and say, OK, set me off on the right path, or at least Definitely. what you consider to be the right path. Well, because you see someone getting huge pleasure out of something that you don't understand and you feel shut out and yeah. think, I want to kind of share in this. You're kind of jealous of the fun they're having. Yes, exactly. And that's, so, so why not? I'd like to do that with uh, classical music. What would you recommend to people? Where, uh, where would you start with some sort of accessible classical music? I suppose you could think all the violin Concertos are a really good way in. Kind of more accessible than symphonies, really, can be. There's two Bach violin concertos are very good. Bach violin concertos. Sure. Um, Beethoven, classic, of course. You, you'll... Da -da -da -da. Da -da -da -da. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know yeah. that one. Right. Yeah, his big hit. Uh, he did four Elise as well, didn't he? 
He did Furley's. Yeah, do you, can you whistle that? Yeah. Beautiful. Can't quite believe I'm crossing a bridge in Leon with Adam Buxton having him tunelessly. Tunelessly? I mean, tunefully murder much love classics. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thanks. Um, what was the first stuff you started listening to in that? genre. Were you listening to pop music before you listened to classical music or the other way around? No, I was very earnestly playing like classical recording music in recorder groups as a 12, 13, 14, year, 15, year, 16 year old. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't put the instrument down like most children do when they're seven. I just carried on. And yeah, and I played in, you know, little local orchestras and groups. It was great. It was really, I owe, owe them all so much. All these kind of teachers who put these groups together and, and yeah, kind of, I loved it. Johnny Greenwood there. Thank you so much to Johnny once again. I hope you Mega Johnny fans enjoyed that little extra bonus slice of Johnny. Uh, Rosie, come on, let's head back. Here she comes, the hairy bullet. Let's get a fly past. Yeah. Spectacular stuff. This is what the hardcore podcasts stay tuned to the very end of the podcast for, this kind of amazing bonus content. And uh, it's a special place for us, you know, isn't it, podcasts? Because who else would listen to this stuff? Only a maniac. Most people tune out after the first ten minutes. You're coming on the walk with me and with Rosie, and you're staying to the bitter end. We're just taking it easy. We're just chilling, yeah? We are just chilling. We're just vibing. Yep. All right. Exactly. All right, calm down. Listen, I'm going to have the last word. No. I, would you, it's my podcast. I'll get off my back. Why don't you just go and do your thing? Oh, you can't get the last word, can you? I'm not. (laughs) My friend, the bird, he's my critic. He wants me to shut up and finish the podcast. Oh, he's gone now. This is a Squarespace advert. Do you want to build a website? Yes. I will tell you how. Visit squarespace.com slash Buxton now. Start a free trial today and in minutes you will say, my website dreams are finally coming true. Just tell Squarespace what you want to do They'll suggest some templates that might be right for you Dragon pictures and text, add some videos And next thing you know, your website will be done Visit squarespace.com slash Buxton today Start your free trial and have yourself a play And when you have decided that you're ready to pay Type in the offer code Buxton Why? Because you'll save 10% if it's your first purchase of a website or domain Ten percent. That's my favourite percent. Thank you, Squarespace. Yes, I got the I got the last word. I don't like to be upstaged by birds. 
All right, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Like, subscribe, rate, review, donate, hand job, hug. Uh, be nice to other people. Take care, love you, bye.